0: Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income and Influence, the number one show helping you reach millions. Today, I have got a guy that's got a huge rhinoceros for his background. You are gonna wanna pay attention. We are talking about real estate investing in a way that you have never heard about it before. It originates all the way back in 3000 BC. It is buying and selling vacant land. My guest, Brent Bowers, is bringing it to a whole new level. He's gonna talk to you about how this method of real estate investing is underutilized. Not very many people are talking about it or doing it. If you don't want to be a landlord, if you don't want to deal with storage units, if you just want to buy and sell some land, or if you want to learn something new, this is going to be a show for you. Brent, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great. I'm great. And thanks for mentioning the rhino. You know, We've we've always got to be charging and rhinos have three inch thick skin and they take torpedoes on a daily basis. So uh, as real estate investors, as business owners, as podcasters, um, just remember the Rhino. Always be charging. I love it. Um, I I love
0: that. I would love to hear, like, I, I always ask people, like, where did this start for you? And I feel yeah. like you might have had to take take a few shots getting started as a real estate <laughs> investor, right? Um, take us back to like, what did you do before you were a real estate investor? And how did you kind of transition into that? Because it's, I think that's what a lot of people ask, right? They're like, how
1: do I get started? Tell us your story. I love that you said, take a few shots, because I literally just got a shot right before this call. I had a real estate broker, commercial broker on a 19 acre parcel of land. that We're hoping, hoping we could develop it. You know, just completely insulting me and um, you just gotta just not have a big ego uh, because he's like, I've been doing this for 44 years. Um, and it's just like that was one of them. That was literally a torpedo this morning um, that that I already had to deal with. and it's it never ends. Um, but as far as where did this get started, and I love your hat clarity. Um, it, it really started for me when I graduated high school. I always wanted to be, you know, somebody, I always, I, I wanted, I knew I wanted to be very successful, wealthy, like I, I didn't, I don't, I don't need all these big toys and stuff, but I just wanted to feel successful and accomplished because, you know, we grew up, you know, very comfortable. I mean, we had always had everything we needed. Our parents both worked very hard, um, grew up in a really small house, three bedroom, one bath, and we didn't ever realize that uh, we were poor or anything, but I just wanted to go a little further, um, than what I grew up and my parents helped me do that they always told me like go for it you know take the chances take the calculated risks so I really owe that to my, both of my parents and just seeing their work ethic was just tremendous um so I think it really kind of just starts growing up and then you know my grandfather gave me a, a, a riding lawnmower it was actually broke down riding lawn mower and uh I borrowed the neighbor's push mower and started mowing grass around the neighborhood so my entrepreneurial spirit started probably when I was in sixth grade, and me and my dad fixed that riding lawnmower, and it turned into a business uh, that eventually he quit his job to come out in, and that allowed me to go and just go for my real estate career that I wanted to do. So,
0: okay. I love it. Um... Long-time listeners in the show will know that that was my first thing, right? I wanted a pair of Air Jordans. I threw a tantrum in the mall because my mom was <laughs> like, we don't, we don't have money for that. I remember like sitting on the metal bench and her answer was, she said, we like, I love you. We don't have money for those shoes. If you want those, you need to go get a job. Same thing. I was in sixth grade. I went home. I think she said it in passing. Like she was like, that'll teach like he'll just be like, oh, I can't have those. I went home, did exactly what you did. I went and got the lawnmower. I just started knocking on doors. And the next day I went and bought the shoes. And like that started the whole process. So for your
1: mom, I mean, hats off to your mom. What a champion just for not buying you those shoes. Like even if she did have the money, like, thank God she didn't. I, you
0: are 100% right. I've I've had that conversation with some people because it is it's like, if she would have bought those, who knows, like, I, I was still pretty curious, I might have gone out and done something, but it led it led me down a path. I want to ask you, though. I mean, we didn't, I didn't have my dad quit his job or my mom or anything like that for mowing yards. I'd love to ask you, like, what were some shots that happened to you from the time you started, because, okay, first you had to repair the lawnmower, but that was a fun project with your dad, but then going out and getting jobs and like, because the, you just had thick skin from that real estate agent that you just talked to, right? Like you had to like laugh him off and be like, whatever, he can be doing whatever he wants for 45 years. I am who I am. And I stand firm (laughs) in what I am. Right. Yeah. So, so how, I want to know what happened from the time you fixed that riding lawnmower to like, the end of high school, when you started your real estate, like what lessons did you learn there that have transferred over to being a successful real estate investor?
1: Yeah, so many, I I mean, that I could even couldn't even count. Um, So first of all, it's just you got to just continuously go out and do it every day that so that push mower um, that I borrowed, uh, luckily, that neighbor was kind enough to find me another account to mow um, another yard right around the corner um from that house and they allowed me to use their mower for so really like if you look back in your life the success you've had in your life it's got there's so many people that are involved in your journey so I really owe a lot of success to that one amazing neighbor um, that allowed me to use her lawnmower to mow her grass and then the neighbor's grass too and then I got my mower going and then it just expanded and before I knew it like friends of my parents were asking if I can mow their grass. And my parents would drive me around on the weekends and then during the summertime, even throughout high school, I'd have two a day practices in you know, my sophomore, 10th grade year. So I would be sucking, man. I would have to go to a morning practice in football and then afternoon practice, I wanted to quit. Um, and I would then go mow grass during the day and I'd be like dehydrated, exhausted. And my dad wouldn't let me quit. He's like, look, your team members are relying on you. So, you know, quitting was always in my mind. Like, I don't need to do all this. Um, so I'll quit the, the football team. And um, so just so many lessons. Just don't let your team down. You just kind of keep persevering. And then fast forward a little bit further. You know, I was mowing this account and he got a couple months behind. And I'm in like, just, I think I'm 16 years old. And I'm like now a couple months into this, and this guy says he's not going to pay me. And that that happened more than once. It's like who the heck would not pay a 16 year old kid that spent money and gas and time and lawnmower and blades and all these things? And it just happens. Like people get get in bad ways and they just write you off basically. So lots of lessons, like just grit, perseverance, and just keep moving forward.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I want to I want to unpack a couple of things. One. Hats off to your dad for not letting you quit, but I want to know like the internal conversation, right? So the, something that I've heard, I've read in entrepreneur books, I've seen it acted out is when entrepreneurs, they might not even call themselves entrepreneurs. They might be 12 years old when they're told, no, they figure out how to do something. right? You can't afford that. You can't do that. You can't have X. We don't take no for an answer. Uh, The example that I read yesterday was around a hotel room. Somebody was like, normal person calls up a hotel. They're like, yeah, we don't have rooms available or we do and they're this price. People take no for an answer. They look for an easy way. Entrepreneurs are like, nope, I am staying at the Four Seasons in Paris. I'm figuring that out. And this is how I'm going to do it. And they call back. They call to ask to other people. They look for deals. Like They're like, doing it. So I want to go back to when when you wanted to quit, what was the internal discussion in your head? Do you remember? Did you like trick yourself? Was it like just 30 more seconds or just one more yard? Or how did you get yourself to go to that next level? Because everybody wants to quit what they're doing at some time in their life. And the successful people are the ones who keep going.
1: I was never going to quit my business. It was I wanted to quit the team and the football team because I I sucked, man. I was like 150 pounds. I couldn't catch, um, you know, and I was just getting beat up and everyone on the team was bigger than me. I was really there for the cheerleaders, um, honestly. <laughs> and I just so my dad put it to me this way. Don't let your team down. And I am one of those people. Call it a people pleaser. a Yes, man. I just didn't want to let anybody down. So I just sucked it up and just got over it. But did nice. I play my, my 11th grade year? My uh, Heck no. <laughs> I, I did end up not playing the next year, but I didn't quit that, that year. I finished out the season. What's really cool is we won every single game that entire season. We were jo- uh, JV, and mm-hmm. we were undefeated. We had a kick-butt team, so we did really, nice. really well.
0: Did, that's awesome. I mean, that you can say that you were an undefeated team.
1: Yeah, like, we did, because and, you and I played win. on – defense and offensive line. You know, it's, it's just, I played both. Well, we had a very small team too. There wasn't a lot of options. (laughs) So that's all, that's the only reason why I got that much playing time. But again, I told you I was not that good of a player. That doesn't matter. You got the, you got (laughs) the
0: record. So let's fast forward to that story about somebody not paying you there. There are a couple really rich questions we can ask around that. The first one is how internally did you handle that from a, Did you just take it as a shot and brush it off? Did you let it get you down? Did you talk to your dad? How did you handle that? Do you remember that? Because I I know this has happened to several people and they don't know how to handle it and they end up melting from it. How did you keep yourself going?
1: Well, I'm kind of a scrapper. Um, I I don't let things get me down. Um, They say that fight or flight, I'm going to fight. I remember confronting the guy on his front porch. He was a prison guard kind of overweight. And at 16, I I felt like I could take him. Um, And he said, I forget what he said, but if something smart about how I'm a prison guard, like, get out of here, boy, quit running your mouth. And I said, I'm 16. And I'll I'll, I'll be happy to take you on right now. And uh, he kind of just stopped. I don't think he was expecting me to say that. And just walked back in his house and shut the door. Thank God he did, because I probably would have (laughs) gotten it handed to me. Um, But I was ready to go head to head with him, and I just walked away. And that was the last time I ever worried about that uh, that guy owing me money because I felt like I had won.
0: Yeah. Okay. Did you? (laughs) Then I want to move forward. Like, what was the lesson, and how did you change? How did you change income? Like. Did you change your billing? Did you start accepting like payment
1: up front? Like, what was the lesson? Yeah, that yeah, and uh, I'm so glad that happened to me because it changed. We did. I did continue uh, billing monthly, Uh, so I would I would bill in the rear. So I would do the 30 days worth of work, and then if they didn't pay on time, like they didn't get the grasp on it, I was not going to allow it that much more. Um, Like that one went. I just you know just heard his sob story. And it amazes me too. It's like, I have, uh, I have my land company. We also flip house. I have my land, my, my house division. And some mm-hmm. of these contractors won't even work a day without like, just wanting an advance payment. And I'm like, no, no. Like I was 16 years old and I had 15 lawn accounts and I didn't take advance payments. You're not getting an advance payment. It was like, so that stopped me from allowing contractors to rip me off when my friends are getting ripped off. So, uh, it taught me lessons.
0: That's an awesome lesson. I mean, that is, that is very much like you're, you're showing how, what you learned in high school allowed you to transfer that into real estate. So let's talk, let's jump into real estate
1: a little bit. Why land? Why vacant land? You know, I love that you asked that because, you know, I started with rentals. My first house in 2007 was a rental total freaking disaster, by the way. Um, Next, I took a break from 2007 to 2013. I pretty much quit. Um, Again, uh, (laughs) and uh, you notice a pattern here. Um, 2009, I ended up joining the military, going back to school because I did not see the crash that like you did. I was jumping in right as the crash was happening. And I just got like handed to me. I I moved to the coast, me and my brand new wife. I just purchased a house. I had a real estate license, a rental property. Went from making like seven or eight grand a month to nothing and ended up having to cancel my lease. Got a judgment put on me that I didn't find out for about two years about, (laughs) uh, ruined my credit and ended up having to move in with my in-laws. Um, we're living in a three bedroom, one bath house with four adults and one small child. And we didn't have a child. It was my wife's younger sister or baby sister. And, um, Long story short, I'm getting very humbled at this point, and I need to change directions. And my, she's out now. My ex-wife, um, but she, her grandfather, who I really looked up to, he introduced me to Jim Rohn, uh, not not physically, but uh, the cassette tapes. And yeah. I listened. I, I transferred them over to CD, and I would listen to these things going down the road. And I'm like, God, I love this guy. Like he is saying everything I need to hear. Um, and that was part of basically when my self-development journey began in 2008 timeframe. So my wife's grandfather said, you know, join the military, do a reset, like, and just go back to school. So I did. And I flourished in the, uh, the, the military. I was always gone, did a couple of deployments back-to-back in Germany, um, deployed to Afghanistan twice. And 2013, I was out of the States from 2010 to 2013. 2013, they pulled me out of Afghanistan on my second time and send me to college to go back to school. And I bought the house right next to the college, start house hacking, and I'm back in the rentals. And then I bought another one six months later. And uh, at that time, we, me and my wife had already split up because I was always gone. Um, so I met a new woman, Emily, my, my wife now. And it's time to move with the military. I was like, you want to come with me? So we ended up getting married, had a baby, uh, 2016. We just moved across the country and I've got five rentals now and I'm in crazy debt. Like, cause all these rentals are fixer uppers and, and I'm just barely paying over the mortgage. And I'm like, this, this sucks. Like, this is not how you build wealth. Like, why would people like, why do people boast about this? And these, these instructors that wear these Rolexes, like they're fake. Um, and I was like, there's gotta be a way to better way to do this. So I started wholesaling houses and that was paying down the debt. And I did two or three or four of those. But here's the thing is a brand new army officer, army officers, our officers in the military work very long hours. I'm like working 12, 13 hour days. And I don't have time to go and visit these, these sellers and create rapport with them and figure out how to solve their challenges and buy their house at a discount. So I'm like not doing a lot of deals. I'm spending a ton of money in mail. So I yeah. see the, I see things changing again and I'm searching for answers, kind of like the grow your impact, income and influence podcast. Like I'm listening to great podcasts and there's this guy on there talking about buying vacant raw land for like pennies on the dollar and flipping this stuff overnight and like doubling and tripling his money. And I was like, holy cow,
0: Sign that me up.
1: is the answer. I mailed the land list the next day. Uh, it was a very specific list. Um, mm-hmm. My phone blew up. Like it was just ringing. I did like two deals within two weeks and it was all history from there. And I haven't looked back since. Do you still have the rentals? A couple of them. Um, A few of them I sold and I've actually made out like a bandit um, on several of them. Uh, That one I bought 2007. I should just burnt it to the ground, honestly. Um, (laughs) I should have waited till 2023 to sell that one. Uh, But uh, some of them, yes, I do actually still have them.
0: Hey, thanks for taking a moment to check out this episode of Grow Your Impact, Income and Influence, the number one show helping you reach millions. Have you ever thought about building your own webinar or using public speaking to reach your ideal audience? Well, if you'd like my help with it, over the last several years, I have built more than 40 live events for clients just like you. In the last 18 months, I've helped 32 entrepreneurs build their webinar with over $5 million in cumulative sales. If you'd like to see how I can work with you, or if you'd be interested in having me speak at your event or be on your podcast, go to stephen.coffee, that's steven.coffee. That's S T E V E offee to book a short call with me and see how we can work together. All right. Let's jump back to the episode. That's an interesting, cause I mean, my, my real estate journey was I started, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I was like, I'm all in probably similar to you. Um, went out and did a couple deals, got a lot of units very quickly, but they like you, I had, I had, I saw cash flow coming in. I was bringing in like 40 K a month, but my total mortgages were like 37, <laughs> so like at the end of the month. I mean, it was a little bit different than that, but not by much. I mean, I I always saw money in my bank account. I was 23 years old. I was like, this is awesome. And I had a lot of equity on paper, right? So I remember, this is like a side story that's hilarious. I had this huge equity line of credit and I really wanted, you remember Fast and the Furious? Like I really wanted a Supra. So I went and bought a Supra using a home equity line of credit, probably a bad idea definitely a bad idea and like i had that car for less than three months because i was like nervous to drive it to the grocery store or like do anything with it and like anyway but i it's very similar to you i was in the game for about five years and at the end of five years i had i had 63 units
1: and i was like
0: but I was the landlord, I was the plumber, I was the electrician. There was always stuff going on. Some of them were section eight. So I had to deal with all of that nonsense. Like most section eight people are great, but the ones that are bad, like, man, they're... So I woke up very similar to you in 2006 and I was just like, nope, I'm done. I sold it. I wholesaled everything in about a two month period. Um, Ended up with a little bit of cash, but not that much. Nothing compared to the pain I went through. And um, I was like, nope. So the you got lucky. You found raw land. I asked if you still had rentals because I just wondered
1: if you were like, these suck. Raw land's where yeah, it is. Yeah. But the I do keep them because I need the the uh, I need the tax write off, the depreciation, depreciation, and the uh, you know the benefits that the IRS gives us by owning buildings. My buildings have gotten bigger. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean we we now take the cash flowing asset from the land. Like the land is cash flowing us. And then we take that money and buy another cash flowing asset that now gives us tax benefits. So um, what I love about the land is we got about $40,000 a month coming in and payments, but it's all free and clear land. There's no mortgage payment on it.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That is brilliant. So I don't know how far you want to get into this, but if you're a real estate investor and you're listening to this, what he just said, you bought land for pennies on the dollar and you are getting cash flow coming in from that land and you're like you said ultra specific list let's break down because you said like you mailed the list i know mm-hmm. what you're saying if you're listening to this and you're wondering what that is can yeah you explain a
1: little bit yeah I, I i wanted to kind of get it quick i'm really glad you asked me that so that ultra specific list let me tell you exactly what that list was um i contacted so i was already mailing the tax delinquent houses so basically, you can contact your county treasurer or your tax collector or some counties post it in the newspaper. And you can see all the people that aren't paying their back taxes because the county wants you to come and pay that those back taxes as a consumer or as someone that lives in the county or whatever. You don't even have to live in the same county and they will give you a return on your money. You know, anywhere from like two to 18 percent in some states. I think Texas pays like 18 percent. So this land is. Um, was telling me that, okay, if they're not paying their taxes, they're probably a little motivated, right? Um, and I was avoiding the land. I was only mailing the houses. Well, I thought I was I was mailing that list that I just talked about, the tax link list. I was actually mailing the county held tax lien list. This was land or basically all the properties. And I, I figured out which ones were, were just vacant, were all land. But it was all the parcels or properties that was so inefficient that... Tax lien investors weren't even paying the back taxes, so the county was stuck with it. Why was it inefficient? Not buildable, not accessible, too small, you name it, like garbage land, wasteland. Well, I sent 687 postcards out to this vacant uh, list, vacant land list that was county held, and it was like throwing a worm in a little small puddle where it used to be a pond that dried up and the fish are about to die and they're just starving. That's what was like. I was throwing my little hook with the with the worm in it in that pond and my phone just exploded like people were calling me like look just take the land or hey it's yours for $285. I'll sell to you for 500. And I was just scooping it up and I was like, wow, man, and I would literally pre sell this stuff and make quick cash doing it. And as far as what, what I would mail, I was mailing a simple postcard saying hey, my name is Brent Bowers I'd like to buy your land at 123 Main Street, or the APN. And if you're interested in a fair cash offer, call me or text me. And they sure did.
0: That's awesome. So is that still what you do today?
1: It's one of the methods. Um, Now I like sending what I call the LOL, the, the land offer letter, or we call it our laugh out loud letter because sometimes the sellers laugh out loud because they're insulted by our our low offer. And I always laugh out loud when we get one signed back in return because we just got an asset under contract at like less than 50 cents on the dollar. Nice. That is awesome. Um, so I know you coach
0: this stuff as well. You teach people how to do this. So where can people contact you? What should people do if they want to learn a little bit more about you?
1: Absolutely. Um, I started a YouTube channel right at about a year ago and just go to YouTube, search Brent Bowers and please subscribe. I mean, that that would be amazing. I would appreciate that so much because I cannot tell you. It's like literally I think it takes me 20 hours a week to get to keep this YouTube going (laughs) with airplane travel and writing the content and filming it. We come out with a video. I, I film a video or I'm sorry, I have a video every single day that launches Monday through Friday. That's wow. the fastest way to find me. Um, if you want to schedule a call, just head on over to landsharks.com and schedule a call. Awesome. So we will link the Brent
0: Bowers YouTube channel under this video, um, under this podcast as well. It is in the show notes. So I want I want to kind of shift just a little bit. We talked about what makes land so attractive as a real estate investor, which I think is great. And you touched on there are a lot of gurus out there with uh, fake Rolexes running around telling you what to do. I would love to talk about what do you see in the real estate industry? So I haven't touched real estate. Um, I, I did a little bit of wholesaling in 2013, 2014, but it was heating up so much back then. And there was so much, there was a lot of competition, but there was also a lot of that that BS floating around. And I was just like, you know what? I'm sticking to what I know. Uh, which is speaking on stage, holding live events and doing marketing. Um, I would love to hear what is something that you'd kind of like to shine the light on and say, whatever you do, don't do this because this is, you hear it everywhere, but it's really bad advice. What would you point to?
1: You know, I, I was thinking about that and I have a couple ideas, but the number one thing I would, I would say is, you know, when you're picking a mentor or a coach or, I I fell victim to a lot of these programs where I would go and max my card out and go to these events and uh, pay $5,000 for a three-day. Just make sure those people are actually doing deals. Um, I'm still in my land business. I'm still working in my business. I have a team, thank God, because I couldn't be out here doing this if I didn't have a team. Um, But there's there's always going to be a challenge to solve. And I'm still in the land business. I'm still in the weeds. I literally walked the property yesterday, a parcel of land that's like a half mile from my house. I'm really excited about that. That's close by 19 acres. Um, But just make sure the person telling you what to do has actually done it. And here's what's really key is still doing it. Because a lot of times these guys hang up their real estate buying hat. And now I'm going to do my coaching hat and they're teaching stuff that's outdated. Yeah, that's
0: I mean, outdated or doesn't work at
1: all, something they
0: heard somewhere else. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, I've I've seen that. Um, there was actually one real estate guy, I won't name him on here, but he was doing demo calls. And the demo call came through. And like the guy he was, he was acting like he was calling properties. And it was a complete rigged up scam. And he oh. came out on stage. And I was like, Oh, that's like, you got to watch that stuff. But there are people out there that are doing this for sure. And that people like yourself, people that are still doing it. And the, the easiest way is if you're, if you're paying attention to somebody, go see what they're doing. Like actually go spend time with them. If you're going to spend, this is something that I learned from mentors that I worked with, right? I've spent, I've spent more than half a million dollars in hiring mentors over the last nine years. And that's how I've gotten to where I am. But the the way that I tested them is I went and I actually looked at what they're what they were doing in their personal lives. Right. Like I would go follow them around a little bit, um, not just follow them on social media, because that's a real easy game to fake. Right. But if yeah. you go see. Oh, yeah. So if you go see thing. you walking down the street, I mean, that's what another thing about YouTube. YouTube, you can fake video a little bit. But if you're posting every day and you're posting content about being out doing deals, you're showing contracts, you're like running around doing stuff. That stuff is not not something that you can fake without a whole bunch of, it would take a lot of work to fake it. And at that point, you'd just be burning money on something that wasn't worth it. So
1: That's so funny. I I agree. I'm trying to do more B-roll footage. Like I was out door knocking on properties the other day. And you got to be careful about that because no one wants a phone or a camera in their <laughs> face when you knock on their door. So we're like running right. out, but uh, like it was terrible. It turned out terrible. Like you could see the the, the video pointing at the ground, <laughs> but you know you could hear the conversations. So that's about it. Yeah,
0: that's I mean that's a good one. So you touched on door knocking. I was going to wrap this up, but I actually want to touch on this one. So <laughs> this is something that they taught when we were doing wholesaling, and um, I went to a boot camp similar to what you're talking about. It was two grand for two days. And one of the things that they showed us was how to do door knocking. So we had, we were in a group. I was the only person out of 50 people at the boot camp who went out and door knocked. And door knocked, I think I door knocked eight days. I did, I was doing two hours a day. I had a neighborhood list. I was just out knocking. Um, I did get, I got two people who were willing to have conversations out of that, which I thought was fair. No one else in the group, we came back to like a group meeting and he was like, who went door knocking? A couple people kind of raised their hand. And then he started asking questions. And like one person went out and knocked on three doors. Like that doesn't count as door knocking to me. So let's talk about, this probably goes back to yard mowing for you. For me, it went back in high school. We had those, like, they were like newsprint and you sold books door to door. Whoever sold the most got like a remote control car, you got some prizes. I would go door knock while I was mowing yards hey do you want your yard mode no do you want to buy a book what yeah yeah and I always won those contests so I'd love to hear like door knocking persistence what's your thoughts around like where did that come from for you and how do you just keep like keep
1: on going keep the rhino going keep on dealing with the torpedoes well I mean I'm very specific in the doors I knock now because you tell me like you had eight hours into it and you it doesn't sound like you did a deal from it which is sad however you built your rhino skin my first two wholesale properties i ever did was from door knocking but very specific like those people were in liz pendens they were about to lose their house um i also door knock houses where i'm interested in the land there's like a junker house we can literally pay them way more than what it's worth we're going to scrape it and build a few more um But where did it come from? I think the first time I ever door knocked was after the 1992 hurricane. I think it was Hurricane Andrew. I think it was in 1992. Um, My grandmother gave us this wind up clock or wind up radio so we can hear the news when we lost power. Well, after the hurricane, power was restored. I went door to door to sell that radio because we no longer needed it until somebody ratted me out and called my parents, said I was walking around the neighborhood trying to sell the radio. And then I would start knocking on people's doors that their grass just needed mowed. And I would, I would, sure. I would tell them, look, you know, I'll, I'll do it for free. Um, you can try out my services before you buy type thing. And I would get accounts that way. Um, so that's so funny. Yeah, I forgot all about that. But I really enjoyed door knocking. Um, still to this day, (laughs) because it's free. I
0: mean,
1: you're pretty personable. I'm pretty personable. It never, it
0: never bothers me. The only place that I had a hard time, I did some door knocking in Vegas. And that was a really interesting place that I would probably not recommend starting. But anywhere in the Midwest, I I lived in Ohio. I lived in Michigan, um, Tennessee. Like people are pretty friendly. You're going to meet some really cool people. And if you go into it with a open attitude, it definitely, you're right. I had eight hours in, I had two leads, one almost turned into a deal. It ended up not, but it was, it was still the experience and it didn't bother me at the end of the day. That was my attitude towards it. It Wasn't, I have to go out and find a deal right now. It was, Hey, we're going to take two hours and we're going to go get some exercise. I would walk around anyway. Maybe I'm, I had some great conversations from it. Um, really interesting share. Thanks for the story about the radio. That's a, that's good.
1: (laughs) But I'll tell you, man, you're the you're the only one that took the time. You you did you went out and did the homework. Uh, The rest of those guys, they're probably still not successful real estate investors because you know it's if the mentor is saying to do it, and hopefully it was a good mentor, just go out and freaking do it. Like I teach people all the time. Um, I have created modules. I tell them exactly what to do, and people will text message me and ask, "Well, what about this?" They're just always looking for an easier, better way and i'm literally showing you everything i've got that's worked for me so just just take the steps go out and do the door knocking 8 hours like you probably gain so much from that 8 hours like that's
0: like- Well, you you gain confidence i mean this yeah. is what yeah. i looked at as a learning experience it's actually really funny the um this is a complete side <laughs> note one of so i have friends who are they're app developers they have sold they've bought and sold sorry, built and sold three separate businesses. Um, They've done very, very well. They never have to work another day in their life. Um, I was staying with them, visiting them. And I was like, hey, I'm going to go out and do this door knocking thing Um, because they were in the Midwest. And they were, she was like, I'm going to come with you. I want to learn how to do that. This is somebody who was under 40, never needed to do another thing in her life to make money. And she was like, I want to learn about that. And she came with me for both, like the two times that I went out and like, just was a fly on the wall. She started having some conversations and my attitude towards it was, even if I don't get a deal, I'm learning how to talk about this. Cause at the time my business was my marketing business was, it was doing okay. We were about at the six figure mark, but I wanted to do that. Cause I was like, I wanted to invest in real estate because I wanted some long-term wealth gain. And I was like, well, I'll go do this. The worst that happens is I get a door slammed in my face and I don't learn anything. That's not going to happen. I'm going to learn something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and it, most people are very nice. There's only a few nasty people in this world. And uh, it's not you. It's, it's them. They're just having a bad day. So that's absolutely. awesome. I love hearing that. That is awesome.
0: Well, Brent, I want to say thank you so much for coming onto the show. You shared a wealth of information. We will make sure to send people to your YouTube channel. If you guys listen to this and you want to connect with Brent, go check out his YouTube. It's in the show notes down below. Thanks for being an amazing guest. Thank you, Steve. No problem. To everybody else out there, until next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon. Are you looking to scale your business, but trying to figure out how to get your message across? Well, go to storyselling.how to grab my free course that will show you how to discover everything that you need to build your business through stories. These stories work, whether it's in social media, email, or public speaking, there are five core stories that you'll learn. You'll be able to use all of them by the time you're done with this course. Again, that is storyselling.how. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to tune in next time.